and welcome to IOM3 Investigates, the podcast series of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. We are one of the UK's major science and engineering institutions and our activities are focused on the promotion and development of all aspects of the materials cycle. These include the science, design, engineering and technology of materials, minerals and mining and their practical applications. We facilitate qualifications, professional recognition and development, share knowledge and provide networking services to a global membership and wider community. We hope you enjoy our podcast series. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of IOM3 Investigates as we launch the first Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining series. I'm Fiona Robinson. My current role is Senior Research Fellow in Electrical Machine Design at the University of South Wales. And I'm on the IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining, also known as WIM3 Committee. I'm delighted to launch this new podcast series focused on speaking with women in various backgrounds and industries, from engineering and materials to minerals and mining, to chat a bit about their careers and how they got to where they are now, be it by education, industry or other routes. I'm joined now by Maria Holloway-Strong, who is a geotechnical engineer working in the Ground Engineering and Tunneling Division for Atkins, which is a member of the SNC-Lavalin Group. Maria has a BSc in Exploration and Mining Geology from Cardiff University, an MSc in Engineering Geology from Imperial College, and a PhD in the Deformation Behaviour of Chalk from the University of Surrey. Maria has had a diverse career, working both in industry and academia, and has spent time living in Australia, the USA and the UK. Maria is very active in supporting career development and professional matters, including committee membership of the Women in Science and Engineering and the Engineering Group of the Geological Society. Maria took a career break and returned to the engineering industry in 2018. Maria is a trained counsellor and is involved in supporting colleagues with caring responsibilities and has helped develop and implement flexible working policies within her workplace. Maria, can you tell me about your educational background and how you were first introduced to the possibility of a career in materials, mining and minerals? Yes, certainly. Thank you for having me. I think it all started in the sixth form at school. I was lined up to do medicine. So I chose biology, physics and chemistry at A-level. And then I'm of a certain age, so still doing O-levels. And um, I took geology O-level in the sixth form and I loved it. And I thought, I'm not sure I want to be a doctor, a medical doctor. I want to do geology, but I didn't want to do pure geology. I wanted to do applied geology. So I did a complete switch from thinking about studying medicine to looking at applied earth sciences courses. I grew up near London and so I discounted London as a possibility of a place to study because I really didn't want to study while living at home. I wanted the Mm -hmm. whole university experience. So I um, applied for universities further away from home so that I definitely wouldn't um, have to live at home. And I ended up at Cardiff studying exploration and mining geology there. Had an absolutely great time, really good course, really good bunch of people, very applied and really, really interesting. So at that point, 
it really looked like going overseas to work in the mining industry. But then in my final year, which was my third year, I got glandular fever and was really quite poorly mm-hmm. and had to defer for a year because my professor said I wouldn't really get a good degree if I tried to struggle on. So I did defer for a year. And after about six months of being ill, I was well enough to look for a job. And I applied for, I think, you know, what you'd call an internship now. They didn't exist really back then with Atkins, and coincidentally. And so I worked for them for about six months. That was my first introduction really to geotechnical engineering. They employ engineering geologists and geotechnical engineers, but definitely on the civil engineering side of things. So large engineering projects such as airports, power stations, infrastructure of all kinds. And I really enjoyed it. I was fortunate enough to be offered a permanent position upon graduation. So I went back and and did my degree, finished my degree and went to work for Atkins. So I sort of fell into it. I had anticipated, as I say, a career overseas, working in mining, maybe in Australia, being ill, made me change direction, you know, found a very rewarding career in the construction industry. I was then fortunate enough to be sponsored by Atkins to do the master's at Imperial College and did my engineering geology MSc there. And at the time in my early career, I thought I wanted to be technical. You know, there was sort of two career strands that you could be sort of project management or you could be technical. And I thought I wanted to be technical. And so I decided when the opportunity arose to go work at the University of Surrey as a research officer in the Department of Civil Engineering and do a PhD there part time, which I did. I got to do some undergraduate teaching as well. My children laugh because it was in computer programming. And as I can barely use my iPhone, they wonder how how on earth I ever taught anyone computer programming, but I did. And then when I finished my PhD, I went back into engineering consultancy and worked for a big company called Parsons Brinkerhoff. During that time, while I was at the University of Surrey and also at um, Parsons Brinkerhoff, That was when I volunteered for the engineering group of the Geological Society and had eight very rewarding years there um, serving on the committee. Then I went to work for an organisation called the Construction Industry Research Information Association, known as Syria for short. They produce best practice guidance for the construction industry. And so I worked as a research manager for them for a couple of years. Well, actually more than a couple. And then went on maternity leave to have my first child. And yeah, that was my career and how I got into geotechnical engineering. Yeah, it's amazing how something really good can come out of what at the time is quite different from your original path. Yeah, no, definitely. And and certainly I got a better class of degree for having glandular fever because (laughs) I had that year off. It had made me hungry to do well. So can you describe your current role and your career path to get there? So I think you've you've started on the career path. Yes. So that was my career path before children. And and, um, my plan was to have a short career break and then return to the workforce. But again, you know, life gets in the way. So I had my first child and then a couple of years later had a second child. They 
both had medical issues, which meant that I found it hard to go back into the workforce when they were very young. I felt I didn't want to leave them. While they were both still very young, my husband got posted overseas to Australia. So we went as a family overseas. So my intention had been to return to the workforce when my children started at school. But by then I was over in Australia and it wasn't really practical to try and find work there for many, many reasons. So that was the start of my extended career break, which again was not planned or anticipated. (laughs) So So how long did you take out? It's from beginning to end, it's 17 years in total. So we spent eight years in Australia and then moved from Australia to America. And I spent over three years in America as well. I had another child. So by then there were three children. <laughs> and then acclimatized well and truly to being a full-time mother and a trailing spouse to an expat husband. Unfortunately, divorce happened back in 2016. And uh, I found myself needing to leave the US with the children. And England seemed a logical place to come back to. I'm British. And then I needed to find a job because Mm. my financial situation had changed dramatically as well. I honestly thought I'm not going to be able to go back into geotechnical engineering. Things will have moved on too much. People will look at my career break and, you know, wouldn't touch me with a barge pole. But I came across on LinkedIn, actually, that Atkins were recruiting STEM returners. They had partnered with an organization to develop a program for people who had had career breaks, not just women, anybody who had had a career break. And so I applied. Happily, they went, all right, we'll give her a go. So I started back in geotechnical engineering in 2018. And so my current role is as a geotechnical engineer, because unfortunately what has happened is that my career has basically started from the beginning again, despite having become relatively senior before having a career break. Yeah. I've, I've gone back to go, you know, <laughs> to the start of the daily weeks. <laughs> but, yeah. but I suppose that the only, the consolation is that at least it is in geotechnical engineering that Yes, you you have been able to get back into the field where you specialise? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm in a bit of an odd position at the moment because I work effectively as an early careers person, but have a lot more experience than, than that. So it's been interesting socially because a lot of my peers are like 23 and 24. Yeah. They don't quite know how to relate to me or they didn't. So the first few months were quite tricky, I have to say, both from the point of view of a steep learning curve, being back in the workforce, trying to remember technical aspects of my job, and also socially, because I was a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. It's really interesting. What do you consider your most significant career achievement so far? It's hard to say definitively. I think probably because of where I am now, I think my most significant achievement, honestly, was having the courage to try and get back into the industry for which I'm trained. It did take quite a lot of self-talk to get me to apply. In my first few months back into the industry, I did have moments where I thought, what am I doing? You know, 
this is yeah. too hard. So I think probably having the courage to get back into the industry, also being fortunate to have the opportunity. But, you know, in terms of my achievement, I think it's having the courage to give it a go and then sticking it out yeah. when difficult in those early months. And I think it's a big achievement because often the fear of the unknown and the self-doubt puts you off doing these things. So I think that is a really big achievement. Yes, and I think, you know, with being a full-time mum for a number of years, I was very confident and competent in that realm, but I'd lost a lot of professional confidence, definitely. So what's been the biggest obstacle or challenge you've faced in your career? I suppose it comes back a bit to what we've just discussed. Yes, um, I think I'm sort of still facing it, that the situation I find myself in is, as I say, effectively starting as a not quite a new graduate, but being treated as someone with maybe one or two years experience. Mm. And yet that isn't me. I have a lot of experience. Yes. Yeah both within my own technical area, but also, you know, life experience yes. and the ability to multitask and manage lots of things um, at the same time. And problem solve. <laughs> yes, yes. And being <laughs> flexible and responsive and all those things. And it's been a bit of a challenge, I think, getting my colleagues to see that and to be open to the fact that I do have a skill set that isn't the same as somebody with one or two years, you know, one or two years. Into yeah, yeah. So that's been quite a challenge and it continues to be. It's, it's improving. I think there is a perception that when somebody has had a career break, for whatever reason, that they become de-skilled. And mm. while they may need support in certain areas, I don't actually think that's a fair reflection. So what are your future career plans and professional ambitions? Well, in this climate of COVID, I think that's, that's changed a little bit. <laughs> certainly in my area of the industry, we've been hit pretty hard. A lot of the projects, particularly large projects, clients have decided to postpone. So the pipeline of work is actually quite small at the moment. So my career, my immediate career ambition is not to be made redundant. <laughs> To stay employed, yes, weather this, this storm. What's been clear to me with coming back into the industry is when I was younger, as I say, I was, I was convinced I wanted to become a technical expert. Yeah. I've changed during my career break. Yeah. And actually what interests me much more are my colleagues and people management and getting the best out of people to, to deliver a good project. Yeah. So my focus has moved away from sort of technical content and I'm much more interested now in managing project management and managing the people delivering those projects. I was fortunate to be promoted this year just before lockdown and I now manage a team of people and I find that extremely rewarding. My aim is to move more into project management, people management I'm involved in a number of special interest groups at work, yeah. um, promoting diversity and inclusion in the workforce. I'm really interested in that. That's where I hope my career will go. And with respect to, you know, level of seniority I achieve, that's less important to me. Uh, yeah, I, th I think job satisfaction becomes more important rather than having a senior 
title. Is there anything you wish you'd known or done differently earlier in your career? Well, I mean, this is quite a personal one for myself. Mm. I really wish that I had not, well, A, had such a long career break or even maybe a career break. I mean, I've wrestled with this one a bit because, you know, the time I spent with my children, I wouldn't change. So I don't regret taking time out to be with my children. However, it's had a massive negative impact on my career. And I have two daughters and I just say to them, I'll look after your kids if you want, you know, just don't, <laughs> don't give up your job. Even if you, you know, just do one day a week when, when your children are little, if you have children, it's just maintain your career because certainly what I've seen both for myself, but also people I've met who have had career breaks, it unfortunately has a detrimental effect on your career and career progression. It shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. Yeah. I think things are moving on, but for me, I just felt too scared to take a career break. Yes. And as I say, it wasn't my intention to take as long a career break as I did. It was because we moved overseas. But, you know, now that I find myself um, needing to be back in the workforce for very practical reasons, it's, yeah, it's had a massive impact on, as I say, career progression and career prospects. So my advice to my younger self would be I should have kept going, as I say, even if it was a day a week, keep keep my presence in the industry. (laughs) If you'd like to find out more about the IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining Group, please visit the IOM3 website at www.iom3.org or follow us on LinkedIn by searching IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining. Please also don't forget to subscribe to hear more from us through Apple, Google Podcasts or Spotify.